The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. <laughs> the conversations we have off air don't make it to on air, but if they did, we probably wouldn't have a show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the kickoff. Uh after season special, not an official episode in the second season. Our second season will kick off with college football preview and NFL training camps slash exhibition games. But for today and this particular episode, we are going to be covering the 2018 NFL draft. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me as per usual, my co-host from day one, Brandon Biscabing. Not, not going to do anything again. Yeah, we tried it in the first part of this. It didn't work, so I'm just not going with it. <laughs> because you failed miserably. Uh, I'm going to just leave that to the wrestling shows that we do. Yep, sounds good. Uh, you guys missed it last night. I called him the Shooter McGavin to my Happy Gilmore. Ooh, nice. <laughs> I thought that was a quality reference. Anywho, the voice you just heard is Jason Teasley. Yes, I'm back, filling in for the empty chair that's busy doing D3 football or something. I don't know. Hot chair. And the executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. With a stomach full of homemade curry chicken, now I'm just hungry for the draft. (laughs) So a little bit of a different format than what you may be used to tonight here on the kickoff. We will have our usual debate and discussion and such, but... Obviously, no stats to talk about tonight, no plays to talk about tonight. We are just going to preview the draft itself starting tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard, the best standard, mm-hmm. on ESPN's um. The NFL Network and simulcast from The NFL Network on Fox, which frankly is just a cheap ratings play for Fox. But it's smart. Of course. Uh, one minor thing. Aren't we on daylight saving time? Yes. Okay, so it would be so it would be sure. eight o'clock DST instead of EST. It would be EDT. So I don't know how that stuff works. <laughs> no one does. Hold on, hold I on. Hope... I'm getting clarification from the chair. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes. Yes. EDT. That's correct. So what we're going to do tonight instead is we are going to give our two players who we feel will be drafted outside of the first round but could have the biggest impact in the future in the NFL, similar to what Kareem Hunt did last year for the Kansas City Chiefs. Those will be our booms. We will have two players each that we think will go in the first round who will do absolutely nothing. Those will be our busts. We will have a top five overall at the end of the show. And then we will also talk about what specifically we want our teams to do. For Eric, it'll be Jacksonville. For myself, it'll be Buffalo. And then Brandon and Jason can debate it out over the, the football giants. Go Big Blue. Yes, go Big Blue. You guys are going to get out. Uh, what, what's that, man? Go not to the playoffs okay. is what you guys did last <laughs> okay. year. Rich, yes, Rich yes, Spiders. yes. Richmond Spiders? Okay, got you. 
I feel like an I feel like an Arizona Rattlers reference would have been funnier. No, hold on, hold on. Women's Women's D three college basketball. Is that what you, is that what you got? Okay, let's not run it into the ground. <laughs> hey man, I, I'm just trying to incorporate a person. So we're going to start with the booms here, and since Jason's done the majority of the talking, I figure why stop now? Go ahead and give us your first boom selection, Jason. Okay, with the boom shakalaka pick from Ginger Damas, I'm going to go. Ronald Jones II out of USC. Drawing high comparisons to Jamal Charles. He was actually hampered during the combine with a kind of tender, pulled hamstring, didn't run his what he was quite able to run. So a lot of teams kind of knocked him for the slow 40 time. But he's actually my running back four out of the draft class. He's very elusive out of the backfield. He has the ability to wait on his blockers and hit the holes with explosiveness. I don't want any references, Eric. Um, Also, he's got great hands, and he has the ability to move so fluidly with his cut and cut on a dime. So I think that he's going to slip down a little bit in this draft to early second round maybe mid-second, but whoever gets him is getting an elite running back with a very bright future. Does it bother you at all that he's under six feet tall? No, it doesn't. I mean, <clears throat> it adds to the, to the elusiveness. You can't, you can't tackle what you can't see behind a six-foot-six lineman. I mean, that's a fair assessment. One of the things that the uh, – and I'm using the Pro Football Weekly NFL Draft Guide as my – kind of my uh, – what's the word I'm looking Primer. for here? Guideline? Yes. yes, we'll use guideline. Uh, I was going to go with syllabus. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> in order to uh, kind of get myself more in, more in tune with each of the players in this draft here. And one of the things that it mentions here is the fact that he's only five foot 11 and 198 pounds, which means he's probably not going to get a whole lot bigger. At the same time, I say that wasn't Barry Sanders only like five foot seven. Yeah. I mean, some of the best running backs in history have been smaller guys because they have that elusiveness that they can just, you know, sneak their way through an offensive line. I mean, I remember seeing a picture in, like, one of my, like, football guides back in the day that had, like, a picture with Barry Sanders, like, next to a bunch of his linemen, and they were, like, you know, a full foot taller than him. And, you know, Barry Sanders was also mistaken for a seventh grader quite often, too, in the Detroit area. I mean, uh... Jason and I both know a very small, elusive running back from uh, back in the day with the Giants, uh, Ahmad Bradshaw. Out of Marshall University here in Huntington, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. He'll steal your PlayStation. Glad him. Oh, did I say that out loud? (laughs) Brandon, you're up next. Who's your first boom? My my boom is uh, James Washington, wide receiver at Oklahoma State. He led the NCAA in receiving yards last year. Yes, it was in the pass-heavy and, you know, super high-scoring Big 12. 
um, and he had a great quarterback to throw to him. But as long as he gets on the right team, uh, you can basically put him in anywhere outside in the slot. He can run inside, outside. You know, he can pretty much do whatever you ask him to do. And I think he can definitely be a, you know, not sure if he'll be a top wide receiver in the league, but I think he can definitely be a serviceable and a, you know, a very productive wide receiver in the league. What I like about Washington is he has great ball tracking mm-hmm. abilities, especially especially on the deep ball. He is able to contort his body and track the ball downfield. So if he gets a strong arm quarterback, I mean, he could be a serious downfield threat. Yeah, you put so him on, your, like, Atlanta, you know, he could be a great uh, complement to Julio Jones. So what you're saying is, well, uh, they already have a compliment to Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu. But, well, I know So what this. you're saying is he's basically the anti-Zay Jones up in Buffalo right now and that if you put a ball near him, he's probably going to grab it. <laughs> yes, yeah. he has strong hands as well. I mean, he runs – he runs a four. He ran a four five four at the combine. Um, he creates great separation with his body, so he's able to make those difficult catches as long as he's got a quarterback that's willing to throw the ball. Eric, you're up. Who's your first boom pick? Now, my first boom pick. He's very solid familial lineage. Coming from a rather unique conference. And basically you could say that he spent a season or so protecting something of a head case. One Orlando Brown. Left tackle out of Oklahoma. Now, did he have, like, say, the best combine? Well, not entirely. But you figure a guy, 6'8", 345. Decent hand size, and let's face it, imagine what Baker Mayfield would have been without someone getting this kind of protection. He needs to do a little bit better blocking downfield, kind of get grip with defenders, but I think with the right team, which is half of the teams in the league, which half of the quarterbacks in the league are going to need a lot of protection, very valuable, and even... (sighs) Outside of that first round, this could be one of those little steals. Well, we kind of talked about this on the original version of this episode that got lost to, to the sands of time with regards to Orlando Brown and that maybe a team like Cleveland might want to consider going after him and in order to help replace the hit that they're taking from losing Joe Thomas to retirement. Do you think that that's something that they might want to consider, especially if the rumors circulating that Cleveland may go after Baker Mayfield number one overall? Yeah, if they get Mayfield number one, or even to give Tyrod Taylor some time in the pocket and be able to develop as more of a pocket passer, this is a guy that you could use full stop. Okay. I mean, I'm sure me and Brandon could agree on, this is a guy we wouldn't mind having on our offensive line with no. all the offensive line help that we need. Not at all. Um, let's just state for the record, I feel there's no turning Tyrod Taylor into a pocket passer. I dealt with that for four years up in (laughs) Buffalo. I'm not saying it's going to be foolproof. I'm just saying develop a teeny bit more. Give him a little throw, maybe a little bit of a bone in that area. (laughs) 
Okay, so we talked about my first pick a lot last year because of the fact that he played for the school that he played for, and not to mention the disability that he has as well. My first boom pick is going to be the man who impressed everyone at the NFL Draft Combine, and that would be Shaquem Griffin out of Central Florida. Six foot even, 222 pounds linebacker. A lot of people are going to make the comparisons to Jason Pierre-Paul because of the hand situation. However, Griffin, in my opinion, is faster. Griffin, in my opinion, has a better head on his shoulders, and Griffin has way more desire than JPP has. Well, hold on. You will not disperse the name of a beloved New York Giant on any podcast I'm on. (laughs) I will give you eight fingers to take that back. (laughs) He'll flip them off Austin shotgun style. Anywho. Well, I mean, this was a boom pick, wasn't it? So that kind of makes sense. Yes. Oh, boo. That's awful. Do you guys think that Shaquem Griffin has a future in the NFL? I honestly do. I think that he, whatever team he lands with, he's got the kind of hustle and he's got the kind of heart that's going to help him stay. Oh, definitely. I, I think he's got – I don't think he has superstar potential, but I think he's got a very high-end contributor. I think he has the work ethic by far of any top-notch of anybody in this class. His worth ethic – Work ethic cannot be disputed. He has a a good heart. He's willing to lay everything out there to prove all the doubters wrong, me included, like I said, you know. But I think that he – I don't think he's going to be a superstar in the NFL, but I think he's going to be a solid hand. And not to mention, like in baseball, there's a saying about you need clubhouse guys. Guys who, with their energy, and as you mentioned, your hustle, your heart, your work ethic, just their presence around the rest of the team helps everybody out. I think there's a few teams that would really take advantage of that. I mean, I know of one who just had a linebacker retire. I wouldn't mind, maybe not as a replacement for him, not going that far, but... Uh, maybe a cheeky little backup kind of mm-hmm. getting to the linebacking rotation, keep the defense afloat. I'm just saying. Just call it I what mean, it is. You want him in Jacksonville, Eric. Well, I mean, I could, I mean in so many words. <laughs> heck, I could, I could see, I could see him in somewhere like Jacksonville, Buffalo, Pittsburgh. Buff- I could definitely. Somewhere that's going to have a, a solid – that is known for a solid defense, and they can actually build around just his – not necessarily his play, but his character. Mm-hmm. Not, not just his character, but he also has an amazing potential for big plays too. Having him around as a big play specialist in a defense that's already start uh, that's already solid, such as a Buffalo, even though Buffalo lost Preston Brown in this offseason, would be a very wise decision. I definitely agree with that. I could totally see him in Buffalo. I would not be opposed to it at all. All right, Jason, who's your second boom pick for this NFL draft? All right, since my my – my original second boom pick was stolen. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> I'm going to go with, I, I mean, I told you guys, I had like five guys that I wanted to pick from. So I went down, went to the third guy that just, that I had Washington edging out. And that's going to be Christian Kurt out of Texas A&M. So, I mean, he's getting a lot of uh, 
comparison to Fair Cooper. Uh, he's a PPR machine. I mean, strong hands. He he runs nice intermediate routes. Big big play possibility. He's got great core strength. Downside, he's five foot eleven, which in the NFL you can succeed at five eleven. Highly unlikely, but we've seen it happen before. Also, he's got he's got it between the ears. He's quick to learn, quick on his learning his routes. He shined in combine and pro day. But I mean, the only other downsides I see is the fact that he needs to make better decision making because I look for him to slide down and be a team's punt returner. So he needs to make, he's going to have issues with that because his decision-making kind of lacks from time to time. He's kind of erratic and he's quick, not fast, meaning he has that explosiveness, but he's not going to flat out run somebody. Something that I want to point out here, you mentioned one of the things I was going to say in the fact that he's also a kick returner, which I think helps his stock. Does it at all worry you that he was down so significantly from receptions in his in his junior year as compared to his sophomore year. Looking at the stats from the draft guide that I have in front of me here, 83 catches for 928 yards on his sophomore season, 58 catches for 730 on his junior year. Yeah, I think his junior year he was, he might have been battling some injuries, if I'm not mistaken. But like I said, I mean, to me, he reminds me of the um, a Wes Welker type receiver, somebody that's going to put up huge fantasy numbers, huge uh, receptions. He's not always going to score you a lot of yards, but he's going to make the plays when needed. Anybody else have any thoughts on Christian Kirk? I mean. It's really kind of a benefit with the kick returner because we've seen more and more how if you start as a kick and punt returner, if he works on that decision making, as you saw with that, it's key. If he sticks around the team year two, year three at the latest, you see him ingratiating more and more in the offense. So I think with that versatility, that's going to help because. You have to understand not just injuries, but what percentage of snaps was he at receiver? What percentage was he mainly just doing kick returns? Brandon, anything? Mm, Not really, no. I think they pretty much covered it. All right, that's going to take us to Eric's second boom pick. Eric? All right, now hear me out. Running backs, Miami running backs, Miami running backs coming off of a potentially bad, bad injury. Yes, there have been questions in the past. However, there is one man had a great career hampered by an ACL tear. That man is the name Frank Gore. Does that bring any bells to anybody? Nope, never mm-hmm. heard of him. Uh, there's another Miami running back who came off an ACL tear to have a pretty decent NFL career as well. Taylor Willis McGahee. Mm-hmm. 
This is true. So you see where I'm going with this. Everybody's looking at Mark Walton. Everybody's seeing what he did. Everybody's looking at that injury. But, I mean, think about it. Even if you're putting him in a situation with the running back by committee, a third round, maybe even early day two, another one of those cheeky little gems, we kind of know what we're doing a little bit down at the U. We've set some precedent. We do just fine. (laughs) I'm not sure I buy it. And the reason I say that is because... Granted, Walton averaged 100 yards a game in the four games that he did play. 107 to be specific. But it's going to depend on what kind of offensive line Walton finds himself behind. Mm -hmm. At Miami, he had one of the biggest offensive lines in college football. Agreed. He's going to have to have a large group of of linemen in order to help him be that elusive evader, much the same way we talked about um, who was it? Ronald Jones with earlier because mm-hmm. much like Jones himself, Mark Walton's only five foot eight. Well, that's the case with any sort of speed elusive running back. You need those big linemen. You you need to have a good offensive line in front of you in order to be successful. For me, Walt, for me, Walton's going to depend on the system that he lands in mm-hmm. as to what kind of success he's going to have in the NFL. And and I I agree with you in that regard because I'm not saying he's going to be a solid every down back. I Even my homerism won't let me go that far. But again, if you put him as part of something of a two-headed monster, you could get a lot of success. He doesn't need a lot of carries per game, but I don't know, 8 to 10-ish, 12 at the most if you're feeling lucky. You could get some solid production out of those carries. Jason? Yeah, I mean, he averaged 7.6 a game, seven yards point, 7.6 yards a game. But, I mean, his size is going to hamper him. Uh, um, I think that he's going to go mid-third round, the team, and I think he's going to have to sit and learn. But I think I think he's got he's got that potential to, given the chance, he could he could do some damage and be a be a solid running back in the NFL. But I think it's going to take a key injury or something for him to get that opportunity. Brandon, who's your second boom pick? My second boom pick is Joel, Joe Ostman. Uh, defensive end from Central Michigan. He's a little undersized, um, but he led the NCAA in sacks last year. Granted, you know, they were playing against uh, Mac opponents for most of the year, so, you know, not as big of a, you know, competition standing for them. But, I mean, we've seen guys from, you know, mid-major schools and even from D2 schools, you know, that a lot of people have overlooked and they suddenly, you know, really show their worth in the NFL. I mean, the the biggest one, I would say, is Wentz uh, coming from North Dakota. Um, you know, but, you know, he's got that elusiveness. He's got a lot of swim moves, um, you know, very good hand, you know, very good hands um, and a lot of, uh, a lot of moves off of the line, very elusive off of the line to get to the quarterback. 
So I think he could be very successful in the right system and with the right defensive line coordinator and defensive line coach to kind of teach him more moves, teach him, you know, the way, the best way to get around, uh, around these bigger NFL offensive linemen. Uh, someone, uh, when I was looking some of his stat, like some of his, uh, combine stuff up, uh, someone compared him to Ron, Ron, yeah, yeah, uh, Rob Ninkovich from uh, from New England, um, and he had a very successful career in New England. I honestly can't say I watched a whole lot of Mac football, so I don't really have anything to comment one way or another here. That would probably be something for me. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any insight either on him. All right, Eric, so you're not the only one who's a little bit of a homer on this show, in case people haven't noticed. Thankfully. <laughs> Eric loves his Miami Hurricanes just as much as I love my Florida Gators. Historically, Florida Gator wide receivers have not done well in the NFL. It's kind of a drastic understatement. That being said, there is one in this year's draft class who I feel has something to prove after the scandal that came out last year and him having to sit out for the entire season. If his head is on right and he gets the opportunity to play, my second boom pick is Antonio Callaway, wide receiver, Florida. Um, I think that I think that's, a, that's a solid third-round pick for someone that – could be a surprise like Juju was this year for the Steelers. Kind of under the radar. That could just be a, be sneaky good. I mean, he's got he's got solid solid physical abilities. He's got a nice frame. So I th- I think he could be a actually be a steal for somebody in about the third round. He was one of the best receivers in the SEC in his in his uh, sophomore season, but then obviously he was suspended for all of his junior season due to the whole credit card fraud scandal that came out. There are other off-the-field concerns with him as well as a since-dismissed sexual assault charge came up during the course of last season as well. Yeah, that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to hamper him in terms of the draft is a lot of teams are not going to be willing to take that chance, so he's definitely going to drop pretty far. Could he be successful if he gets that sort of, those things under control? Yeah, I definitely think so. But you know, that's a big if. Well, I mean, because we like, we've all seen what has happened with other Florida um, uh, wide receiver core people. Those of that ilk, yes, and I really think that because of that. And I would hope you had a lot of representatives during the when they were able to interview him, not cut to the bone, but kind of dig deep and seeing where he's at mentally. Because if he's in a stable organization on the mental side of things, he could truly, truly blossom. Part of me hates to admit that, but it's the truth. If you get past that, then again, you've got fantastic talent, someone that you can ingratiate into your receiving core, 
just fine. And again, another Juju Smith-Schuster? Yeah, I'll make that comparison. Even then, though, I think it's a big risk because, you know, I I don't want to say his name outright, but I'm sure you guys know who I'm referencing to in terms of the... uh, Florida wide receiving core, you know, not fully wide receiver, but, you know, you get what I'm mm-hmm. saying, um, that, and he was on probably the most stable, most, you know, uh, focused and most, uh, you know, controlled team in the NFL, and he still fell. So, I think a lot of teams, especially after that, are going to be very wary of guys with history. Fair point. But you can't have talent. Talent talent trumps. I agree with that, but, you know, a lot of certain teams... Talent issues. You're you're gonna have a lot of teams thinking, you know, if I can get someone of comparable talent, do I really want to take the risk with this guy? Uh, to that I say there was another guy in last year's draft that had those potential off the field issues as well. And look at what Ezekiel Elliott did on the field for Dallas. Oh yes, I agree. Two years ago. Two years, yes. But he he paid for his off the field issues last season. But it's a it's a risk reward thing with Antonio Callaway, and I'll be the first person to admit yeah. it. Mm-hmm. He has he has, in my opinion, he has potential to be the best wide receiver in this draft. But the question to me is, where is his head? Yeah, I mean that's the that's going to be the issue, and and it's getting worse and worse every year because there's more and more players that have that ha- either a have off the field issues in terms of you know that sort of thing like Callaway. Or they have other things going on, um, you know, like a Tim Tebow, where it brings just it just brings too much attention to a team, and some teams that aren't ready to handle it, some of the the, the smaller market teams just are not willing to take that risk and and basically have their whole training camp and their whole season become a giant circus. I'll agree with that to an extent. I think that you're going to know going into it that you're taking a risk by drafting Callaway his off-the-field issues last year. Exactly. So it's going to take a a very specific team that has very good control over everything. I almost hate to say these three words together, but New England Patriots. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think he'd go to New England. I Maybe a... I, I think Belichick is going to stay far, far away. I mean, I could see, I could see him somewhere, uh, Arizona, maybe. Uh if if we're talking like, if we're talking places for arrest records and stuff, he'd fit in perfectly in San Francisco <laughs> or Oakland, or Philly. Um. <laughs> Honestly, probably the most stable, just in terms of um, you know your quarterback, your head coach, the system, all of this. the The place that I could potentially see him landing, Green Bay. Ooh. Well, see, I, I was thinking same division, but I was thinking the Lions. 
Maybe put him in Detroit and... Well, but it's him... Detroit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> wouldn't the, city's going, going the city's, the city's, the city's going, going to hell. hell. So... Why not expedite the process? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah. Thanks. I'm sure Antonio would appreciate that. <laughs> All right, so in addition to coming up with two boom picks, we also came up with two bust picks. There is one that at least three of us on this panel agree with, so therefore I'm not going to make all of us change our prediction here. I know I speak for myself. I know I speak for Brandon, and I believe I speak for Jason as well when I say that one of our bus picks is Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. me, and, me and Jason had pretty much the exact same line of thinking along this. He reminds us too much of Johnny Manziel to take the chance on. A guy who is completely up his own ass – a guy who completely is buying all the hype that he's seeing about him, and the guy who does not have the correct stuff between his ears in order to be able to finalize what is going to be needed to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Jason, why don't you go ahead and expand upon that, and then Brandon will go to you as well. I mean, I think he has all the physical. He checks all the the boxes physically. It's his mental, mental capacity that I don't think. You've seen it this year. In a lot of games, his antics on the field overshadowed his performance on the field. And I think taking that step up into the NFL, you're going to, you're playing with grown men. And you're going to come across defensive players that don't take too kindly like you shaking your nuts at them. And you're going to pay for it. And you're not going to have – if you don't respect your O-line, they're going to let these defensive linemen just unload on you. So I think his mental capacity needs to come up tremendously or he's going to be covered by an empty chair in the CFL. Oh, don't, don't go disrespecting the CFL <laughs> like that. Come on now. They have some standards here, Okay especially in the next couple of years when they get a team out in the Maritimes. I, I'm not even touching that. <laughs> Braided? Um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with what both of you have been saying. I will, I do give him a little bit more credit than you guys do because I do think he has a little bit more of a head on his shoulders than Johnny Manziel did, um, but again, I honestly the best case scenario for him in terms of being successful in the NFL, and the only way that I think he he is successful is if these character flaws, these issues that we're seeing, cause him to start dropping and maybe land on you know it probably wouldn't be the Giants. I don't think they'd pick him at two number overall but maybe landing somewhere where they're a little more stable both on the field and off the field um but if he lands a, a lot of people are projecting him to land uh third i think it's third where the jets are either third or fourth yeah uh, the jets traded up to three okay yes so a lot of people are taking him at three with the jets and um yeah if he lands with the jets he's screwed because not only do you have just a, you know, just a horrible mess of an organization with the Jets, 
But also, you have the added pressure of playing in New York, all of the media there. It's just going to get to him so quickly that... And, and they're not going to win. They're, they, they just... The organization is a mess. So, you know, he, it, it, if he lands with the Jets, he's done. What about him landing in somewhere like New Orleans and being the successor to Breeze? That, that's one scenario where I could see him actually doing well because he'd have to sit on the bench for a couple of years, listen and learn from Breeze. Um, the only way it wouldn't work is, like you guys were talking about, if that ego of his causes him to get frustrated at not starting and, you know, start going off on people, yada, yada, yada. Basically what happened to Manziel. Um, so, you know, that's the best case scenario, but that's only if he's willing to actually sit down and learn. That is not best case scenario, and here's why. Putting him in a city like New Orleans is just as dangerous as putting him in a city like New York. But at least in New Orleans, he wouldn't be starting right away. He wouldn't be... He wouldn't be it the spot. That would make him all the more likely to go out and engage in the nightlife and then the adult culture down there and find himself as the headlines that he should not be finding himself as. That yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I will give you that. I I think I think that his. Uh, I mean, I the best I case scenario could probably be. I mean, honestly, the best case scenario. M- might actually be him going to somewhere like Cincinnati. Cleveland. Cleveland. The problem with Cleveland, though, the the problem with Cleveland, though, is just like with Manziel, he's going to get frustrated with the losing. He's going to get frustrated with, you know, the the lack of success with that team, and that's what's going to cause the problems like they they had with Manziel. And he's he's going to be the... He's going to have the... In Cleveland, not only are you going to have a, a microscope and spotlight on him, you're also going to have it on someone like Josh Gordon. So that's going to draw things. And you got a very volatile, outspoken receiver like Gordon, and they acquired Landry. If, he's not get, if those two are not getting the balls that they see that they are fit to get, they're going to be making sound clips, which is going to cause turmoil inside the team. Well, Landry's a more outspoken one with Gordon. He's just going to be uh, seeing someone like Baker Mayfield as a potential party buddy. So <laughs> let's get to that. But yeah. with Mayfield, the comparisons to Manziel are apt. But with Manziel, I noticed two things. He did not take the game seriously. Mm-hmm. It was just what he, they, the game could give him. And he really didn't take himself seriously. Mayfield does a slightly better, slightly better job at taking more of the game seriously, even with his antics. But Mm. his thing is, if he still can't get to the point to where he'll take himself seriously, then no matter where you go it's going to be problems because if he's in a stable organization, he's going to then seek nightlife. If he's in a place to where he's bored, then he's going to just go somewhere for fun. That would be for Cleveland. If Arizona, he'd hop right over to Vegas, whatever. 
So he's got the potential, but and he doesn't really need to hit the weight room like Manzil did because his physicals are phenomenal. But uh, there's way too many question marks. And personally, Cleveland would be an even quicker death sentence than it would be than it was for Manzel. I'm well, not sure I'd go that him? far, but where, where where do you send him that he quote unquote becomes safe? Pittsburgh, the backup Big Ben? Potentially. Actually, I could totally see Pittsburgh working out for him there because Ben's yeah. got one or two, Ben's got one or two good seasons left, and Landry Jones is not the answer in Pittsburgh as their quarterback of the future. Mayfield, no. having, Mayfield having a couple of seasons to learn under Roethlisberger and then getting to know the patterns of people like Antonio Brown, like Juju Smith-Schuster, and having a running back like Le'Veon Bell to work with there would do wonders to help Mayfield make a solid transition into the NFL. I could totally see Pittsburgh working, but Pittsburgh won't trade up to get him. Pittsburgh won't trade up to get him, and that's the downside because even just learning on the field, knowing those patterns and being a more than competent replacement for Landry Jones, Roethlisberger, if he ever wanted to be a mentor, because we all know what he was like early in his career. Greatest. Yeah, Mayfield would be the perfect guy to take under his wing. But like, I'm sorry, your microphone cut out for a few seconds there, Jason. Did you say something? Uh, 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 hey, you can't have therapy. <laughs> you, can't, you can't spell therapist can't. without something. Yes, but hey, I mean, it's not. It's not. It's, it's as long as you yell surprise first. It's legal, right? <laughs> but I mean, I, I was talking about that earlier with how you know because of these off the field issues, he may drop. That would be the perfect scenario, probably, is Pittsburgh, because you're sitting behind a very good quarterback who has his off-the-field issues, um, who has learned from them. Um, Pittsburgh isn't exactly a party town, so, you know, there's no... What? No, they're not. That would... And you got a hard-nosed coach. Exactly. So that would probably be the perfect scenario for him. That is... That is one place that he would be able to succeed easily. I, 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 could, I could get on board with that. Yeah. And the benefit with the Pittsburgh over Cleveland is it's not just the fact that neither of those places are party towns. Pittsburgh isn't anywhere near as depressing as Cleveland is. Well, Cleve- well in hey. Pittsburgh, they'd actually be winning. Hey. Yeah. Well, hey, I- Anybody, and if anybody wants to know how great Cleveland is, look up Cleveland Tourist Video Tourism Bureau on YouTube and see the great tourism videos that they was able to put together for Cleveland. <laughs> oh God, I could only imagine. I'm just gonna. First of all, I'm gonna state for the record that as somebody who lives about an hour away from Cleveland, it's actually not that bad. I think Cleveland's a nice city. I've been there. I've been there. Quite a few times watching games. They've got a great fan base. Problem mm-hmm. they don't win. Yeah. And with somebody with the ego of him but winning he, winning might winning might be more important than being a what a quarterback's supposed to be on a team and that and that's a leader. 
Yeah, he's never okay. been, I mean, I don't know about his high school days, but in college he was never at a, the, Oklahoma was always good when he was there. He well, never had mention, a down year. Well, not to mention Oklahoma was his dream. He mm-hmm. wanted to play there. He started his career at Texas Tech. It was actually decent, but it's not where he wanted to be. And he used his sway and whatever to leave and transfer and make that happen. How is he going to react when he knowing that he doesn't have that sway? Mm-hmm. See, I think that this is a Cleveland team that will be a lot better, though. Because they have a pair of solid running backs now. They have a wide receiving core that isn't employees out of the local so Who's, the, who's the other running back? They have Frank Gore. They have Carlos Cleveland? Hyde. Cle- Cleveland doesn't have Frank Gore. Or not Frank Gore. They have Carlos Hyde and they have, um, God, what's his name? Uh, Duke Johnson? Yeah, Duke Johnson Jr. Thank you. I mean... Four and twelve <laughs> is better, but it's still not good. And for a player like Mayfield, who's used to winning, he's still not going to like it. I mean, you can only go up from winless. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so really. They can't get no worse. No. All right, let's go ahead and move on here. Uh, Eric, you were kind of the dissenting opinion here, and that you didn't think that Mayfield was going to be a complete bust. So, do you have to? Well, I, I, I really do, and one of them, a first-round guy, another one who in mock drafts was projected to go to Cleveland number one himself, tall guy, kind of in Western school, where's the number 17? Not such a good precedent if you're Josh Allen, because, yeah, what? To me, at the very least, I'm seeing another version of Brock Osweiler. Yeah, maybe if you put him in the right system as a backup, you can hone his talent. But that's, you're looking at possibly a good couple of years. And I don't think teams are that ancient. God, and I really liked you, Eric. (laughs) I really did. But you're telling me that my number one quarterback prediction in this draft is going to be a bust. Uh, hey. Hold on. I got to consult. Do you agree? My thoughts exactly. I'm just saying. The I mean, you're getting, the, you're getting the silent treatment right now. The, the, the viewer Naughty is speaking here. Everybody is saying, hey, look at what happened the last time we tried something like this. And, uh, yeah, Wyoming, great for rodeos and mountain scenery. Football, <laughs> it's another story. <laughs> can Let's I can, move on here? <laughs> allow me to check in here because I'm actually on Jason's side of this year. And there were a couple of different articles posted on the uh, – the Bills USA Today page talking about how Buffalo has an interest in Josh and Josh Allen. And the reason for that was posted was because they feel like Allen having the opportunity to throw in the wind conditions in Wyoming would make him the perfect quarterback to fit in Buffalo because of the conditions that the Bills stadium sometimes undergoes up at Ralph Wilson there. Viewing him as almost a modern day Jim Kelly. Uh, 
I remember when you mentioned this in the chat, and you also remember what I said as a rebuttal? They thought that about Drew Bledsoe, but here's the thing with Bledsoe. Bledsoe had already been in the NFL for almost a decade by the time he came to Buffalo. Allen is somebody that the coaching staff in Buffalo can work with, including, assuming he's well enough to do so by that time, Kelly himself. I, oh. I, I mean, I think I think Josh Allen has all the physical attributes to be a successful NFL quarterback. Yeah, and another another team that is looking at him as a potential, uh, you know, quarterback to pick up in the first round because of both the wind conditions and because of the altitude, the elevation is Denver. I would love to see him go to Denver. Oh. Buffalo, I can understand because, for the most part, again, Buffalo is a patient franchise. It, it goes, so now another tall quarterback throws in some less than ideal conditions wearing number 17 and in Denver. is there, Are we really going to go lather, rinse, repeat here? <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you Buffalo. I'll give you Buffalo. Denver, no. No, 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 no. Hey, Elway could very easily see uh, a lot of himself in uh, Allen. I mean, you do, you do have, you you do have one of the top quarterbacks running the franchise that could probably offer him some good QB drills. Yeah, yet we still saw the likes of Trevor Simeon from Northwestern up there. I'm just going to put it out there that this is the franchise that originally thought Jay Cutler was competent. <laughs> true. Very true. I'm just saying. He had a, he had a nice mustache. <laughs> he, he, he does have a strong mustache. I will say that much. Okay. Pretty sure he has a beard as well, but that's a completely different conversation. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> All right, Eric. Who's your other bust? Well, my other bust, not as heralded, same state as Baker Mayfield, but I think he's going to be more of a bust because he's more of a victim of the system and of where he comes from. Now, he's projected more late second round guy, not a first round guy, but still bust territory. Mason Rudolph of Oklahoma State. Doesn't count. Nope. Doesn't count. (laughs) I I get maybe somewhere he could be a formidable backup, kind of as that journeyman role, but if anybody's really taking him as a development, say, plan for the future, that's really not going to work. Uh, This is is where my heart lies. Jason lies with him taking... Wanting to become a last success. I was just gonna say that exact same thing. Where I was just gonna say I'd be perfectly fine with the Giants taking him and letting him sit behind Eli for a year or two. Exactly. I love Mason Rudolph. I think that he is one of the super sleepers of this draft in the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. You got all the you got all the hype at the top, and then he trickles down, and I think he's going to be a I would love, love, love the fact if Gettleman was able to snatch somebody like Rudolph in the second or third round. Yeah, let take, take Barkley number two and then let 
let Rudolph drop to you in the second round. I, I would I would be thrilled to have that draft class. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you continue here, Jason. Um, you vehemently disagreed with the with the Mason Rudolph thing. I will say real quick about Mason Rudolph. I kind of agree with Eric to an extent in that I think Mason is a product of the conference. He played in a conference where quarterback where quarterbacks having big games was a necessity, not an anomaly. I don't know if that success will, will carry over to the National Football League. I think he will be a serviceable NFL quarterback. I do not think he'll be a star. Oh, but, yeah. but, I mean, think about it. If, you know, what you just said right there, quarterback success was a necessity in order to be good in in the Big 12, just period. Ne- Whereas in the NFL, you don't need to be on point every game. So the pressure is taken off a little bit, which will allow him to be even better than he already is. I disagree with that statement because the quality of opposition he will be facing in the NFL will be significantly greater. He's not going to be taking on some beast scrubs from Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Well, I'm going to... I'm going to go against a very popular opinion of a lot of NFL people that um, study the game a lot more than I do for my next bust. And I'm I'm probably going to upset you guys. I remember us talking about this in the kickoff thread. I know where you're going with this. And while I'm not upset about it, I don't agree. My second bust is Josh Rosen. I think he is the most overhyped quarterback. And I was so heartbroken when all these mock drafts came out saying Rosen to the Giants. Reason why I don't like Rosen. One, he looks goofy as hell. We'll get that out of the way. I mean, God, I didn't think anybody could make an Eli face better than Eli. Then I seen (laughs) Rosen. Um, But, I mean, he has... He has a lot of durability concerns dating all the way back to his high school days. He's, he's very injury prone. He, his pocket delivery, he's so lax in the pocket. I guess maybe it's the LA sun that just has him just so calm and relaxed in the pocket, but he takes way too much time in the pocket. I mean, it's just too casual and he refuses to make the easy throws at times. He's all the time. He's a gunslinger. Reminds me of a lot of Favre. Hmm. Yes. I, 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 I committed the holy sin, but only as a gunslinger at all. Rosen wants to make the big plays, but he won't take the plays that are there. He'll force a lot of balls that don't need to be thrown when he can throw something simple underneath and get positive yardage. He wants to try to make the big sports center play. And I think that's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. I, I, I hate we'll go on to, we'll go on to another quarterback that I think that is being undervalued that I would love to see in Buffalo when we go to our five superstar our five favorite people from the draft. But I, I think Rosen's going to be a huge bust. I, I hate to say it, but um, th- those words about trying to make the big play and as a result uh, getting uh, getting. Uh, Gang being for it uh, reminds me a lot of another quarterback who's currently on the Giants. Hey, 
You don't dis- you don't besmirch the name of Eli Manning. I, I, I'm just saying. Hey, I'm I'm an Eli fan too. I'm don't just you saying. guys have? Don't you guys have Davis Webb as your quarterback of the future? No, <sighs> no. Just, we, just we, no. We, he's on the roster. We, uh, we have I, him. I mean, think about it. They went to Geno Smith before Davis Webb. Yeah, exactly right. what I was, Everything. I was getting. There, I was getting ready to say the exact same thing, Eric. Right, if you can't, if you can't, and I'm a West Virginia guy. Geno was my boy at West Virginia. If you can't beat Geno Smith out, even with his broken jaw or whatever he gets <laughs> in the locker rooms, yeah, you can beat him out if you're punching him. Sure. <laughs> I mean, guy Gino's got Gino got beat by by a teammate that wasn't a quarterback more than he did by David Webb. Davis, but I I will say I I get what you're saying there, Jason. But I think in the right system with you know with the right guys teaching him, I think he could be a good quarterback. If he was, if they did decide, I don't think they will. But if the Giants did decide to draft him at number two, I think he, I think he would learn very quickly. To I think he would be a, a serviceable quarterback. Would he be a top of the line quarterback? No, but I think he would be. I think he could be good, especially if Eli truly took him under his wing and taught him, you know, how to be a good NFL quarterback. I mean, really, I mean. If they take him, we would have the ugliest quarterback <laughs> duo in the NFL. Well, I in mean, fairness, last year you guys had the ugliest and stupidest head coach. So, I mean, he kind of oh. looks like he kind of looks like if Sloth had a baby. <laughs> oh, oh! Why couldn't McAdoo have gotten uh, taken as a head coach by an NFL team? I wish somebody would have. Yeah. Better. <laughs> All right, but that's that's my bust. I'm pretty sure you guys disagree with it heavily, but I'm sticking to uh, my gun. And we'll uh, come I'll, back we'll come back we'll come back in three years and let Ginger Novice bask in the glory of being right yet again. We'll talk more about We'll talk more about Josh Rosen a little bit later on in the show is all I'm going to say to that. Uh, Brandon, who's your second bust? My second bust is, uh, unfortunately, you guys weren't allowing me to just simply say whoever the Browns were going to take in the number one overall pick. But so since everyone's projecting him to get taken by the Browns number one overall, I'm going to say Sam Darnold. Um, I just don't think that, you know, like, I mean, yeah, it's hard being a, a top quarterback going into the league because you're getting drafted by the worst teams in the league, so you're going to have those issues. Um, you know, for every uh, Carson Wentz or... Well, Wentz wasn't taken high, but um, for every Andrew... Uh, I think we... Brandon, you there? Yeah. You okay, can you hear me? Yeah, your mic cut out. Try oh, that okay. again. For every, for every Carson... Well, Carson wasn't taken uh, in the first round. Well, I was going to say, I think you were about to say for every Carson Wentz, who actually did go number two overall. Oh, he did go number two overall. You're right. Um, So, yeah, yeah, for every Carson Wentz who, you know, got taken at the top of the draft and was successful, there's, you know, 100 RG3s, you know, the the list goes on and on. 
What? Ryan Leafs. Exactly. <laughs> Ryan I mean, Leafs, Jamarcus Russells, you know, the list goes on and on. So Ryan I, Leaf is the name I always go to when I talk quarterback busts in the yeah, NFL. Yeah. So yeah. I think he's going to be a lot closer to Ryan Leaf than he will be to Carson Wentz. Uh, especially, especially if he goes to the Browns. I know I, I know Harry is very high on the Browns this year because they got a lot of picks, or they got a lot of uh, pickups in free agency. But it's still the Browns. They'll still find a way to screw it up. They still don't. Saying, ha- they they still don't have much of an offensive line. He's still going to get murdered out there. Okay, you make this sound like I'm I'm saying the Browns are going to be a playoff team this year or something. They're not. I'm not saying they are, but there's nowhere to go but up from where they were last year. Well, obviously and, because they went winless. And for the record, Sam Darno, in my opinion, is actually going to be a serviceable NFL quarterback. Same here. I think uh, he's got a lot of potential. I would choose Rosen over Darnold because I still say that Darnold has that little bit more rawness, but that can be honed. Well, you could be wrong, but that's okay. The issue for me with Darnold is the fact that he's turnover prone. Badly turnover prone. And that's going to hurt the Browns a lot. My problem with him is his delivery. He has that long, looping delivery. Reminds me of um, a, a local quarterback here that had a serviceable NFL career, Byron Leftwich. Big, long, looping throwing motion. The former Jackson Wire. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then went to Pittsburgh and got a Super Bowl ring, <laughs> like a lot of Jaguars do. And I think I think he's got a sandwich. I think he's got a sandwich shop here in Huntington. I don't know. Eric's not bitter at all. In- not in the slightest. Nah. You know what? In, in in keeping with the theme of picking quarterbacks as our second bust as well, um, I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts that have him coming to Buffalo at 21 or 22 if Buffalo doesn't trade up. Or not at 21, at 22, because we traded the 21 pick to Cincinnati to move up to 12. I'm seeing a lot of people that are saying he goes to Buffalo at 22 if Buffalo doesn't trade up in order to take a run at Josh Allen. I want absolutely no part of Lamar Jackson out of Louisville. Oh, my God. This, How can you break my heart? This is one of the quarterbacks I'm going to talk, talk about later on in my top five picks of the draft. See? I don't, he knows what's up with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> he gets I, it. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't think he's a credible – he wasn't a credible Heisman winner. He wasn't a credible performer in the bowl game after his Heisman win when they got absolutely shell-shocked by LSU. He had granted similar numbers last year in his senior campaign with Louisville, but the team did nothing near as well in regards to its record or its on-field performance. I, I, I disagree with you here, man. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a... And I even, I'll even say why I hope he doesn't go because if he does... Me and Brandon talked about this. If he lands in New England, oh, the, dynasty, uh, the dynasty continues because don't they can you build. dare put that into the universe. No, <laughs> it, it, it's out there, dude. Uh, New England has has already been out on the record as saying they would love to have the opportunity to draft him. I like him. I think he has a lot of 
same qualities as uh, Deshaun Watson did coming out. But I mean, I get, I understand what you're saying. I, I see the quims that you have. I'm, I'm totally on board with some of those. But we said, I'm, I'm pretty sure because I was one of them, said the same thing about Watson coming out. See, Watson lit it up. See, I think, yeah, but the difference is, is I think Watson has a better arm and he's more mobile. He also has, which I mean, we're we're talking hypothetically. Look at the look. Look who Watson was throwing to. I mean, can you name a top wide receiver that's kind of, that's been in Louisville? No, Thank you have a point. Hold there. on, hold on. I'm going. I'm going to consult our college football expert. Nope, he has nothing either. <laughs> but I mean. Watson had had a nice receiving core to help him. Mm-hmm. Not saying that I'm, I mean I was down on Watson. I'll, I'll be I'll fully admit that. Lamar Jackson, I seen him in person when he played here at Marshall. I'm I'm on board with him. I think he's going to be. I want to segue this. I think he's going to be one of the steals of the draft. Whoever lands him, and they that can build around him. He's got to go to the right system, though. He's going to be a pure system quarterback, no doubt. I think if he lands in New England, which New England's going to be crazy good if they land him. I think if he goes to Arizona, Arizona would be nice to have someone like him. I think the If key... he goes to New Orleans, no. New Orleans would be – do I see him fitting in the Giants? No. Would I like him at the Giants? Oh, hell yeah. If the Giants get to get him in the second round, yeah. If he's sitting there, get him and snag him, I'd be happy because with the projections I have, you'd have Jackson at quarterback, Barkley at running back, Ingram at tight end, <laughs> Sterling Shepard in the slot, and OBJ leading, anchoring your, your wide receivers. That's a formidable offense that nobody would love to face. The, the biggest issue I see with Jackson, and it's the same with all quarterbacks of his type, is that they have a very short shelf life unless very early on in their career they learn to be more pass-first, run-only-if-you-need-to type quarterbacks. Because we saw it with Cam Newton, we saw it with RG3, we've seen it with a plethora of quarterbacks who have come into the league as purely as dual threat guys. And then the first year, they're great. But then as defense starts defenses start to catch on, then suddenly that that uh that aura to them goes away and they start losing their mojo. They start losing what makes them good quarterbacks and they start panicking because they're they're not able to handle the defenses that these teams are running against them. So I think if you got him in the right system that taught him how to be more of a pass-first quarterback, then he'd be okay. But if you're if you're trying to build on him as a dual-threat guy, then it, it, it's, it may work for the first year, but it won't work in the long term. I mean... 
the, the thing about Lamar Jackson, though, when he is in a passing style, when he did more drop back at Louisville, he was actually a little bit better than decent. He was good. So I think you would have more teams going to the system that say, we need to develop you as a pass first, and they are going to try that. It's not going to be entirely like an RG3 where you have a college offense. And even with Cam Newton, his first couple of years, of course, run, run, run. Yeah, he had okay passing moments. His very first game, he threw for over 400 yards. But the problem was his accuracy has always been crap. Mm. I think with Lamar Jackson, you're going to take at least one step above that. So I think more teams are going to say, hey, we got a little something here that we don't have to tweak as much. Uh, let's look into this. And and the good thing for him in terms of his success in the NFL is that he's not being looked at as one of the top quarterbacks. So he may fall to the late first round, early second round, um, or even mid-second round, and get picked up by a team who may not need a quarterback right now but is looking for that quarterback of the future like a Giants team, like a Patriots, like the Saints, like the uh, Steelers, and he will be able to learn that system, learn the NFL style in a couple of years without being thrown right into the fire. All right, I got a, I got a team that would be also be a scary, scary team where he could go sit, learn, and then come in and and possibly succeed. What if he goes to the Chargers? Mm. He could learn behind Phillip Rivers. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that would be a dangerous team. They need the to build around him though, because I mean, except for well, you got Mike Williams, and well, you got that? Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Ecular, Gordon, and Keenan Allen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but so wouldn't they, that put him I, I forgot about Melvin Gordon. So, yeah, they've Real, got a pretty good wide receiver core around him. They need a running back, though. They, you just said they have Melvin Gordon. Oh, oh, wait, Derp. Uh, in regards to him going to San Diego, though, wouldn't that kind of put him in direct comp? Or, well, not San Diego, now Los Angeles. See, I keep wanting to call them the San Diego Chargers. I'd, I'd it, it will always be it, San Diego. In regards to him going to the Chargers, though, wouldn't that put him kind of in direct competition with Cardale Jones, who you were talking about earlier? Yeah, but Cardale Jones is from Ohio State, and I hate Ohio State. <laughs> All right, guys. Not to but I, think, uh, Cardale Jones, I think Cardale Jones is, is a good prospect. But if it was between Cardale Jones and him... Yeah, Cardell, you're gonna you're gonna be setting some more. Yeah, because again, Cardell Jones came out too soon. Everybody I agree. judged him based upon what a couple of games at Ohio State. Yeah, they were phenomenal games, but again, after that, he's like, "Well, this is the best it's gonna get for me. I'm gonna cut tail and run," and that was a terrible choice. Whereas with Lamar Jackson, he stuck around at Louisville and was like, you know what? I got a lot going for me here, but I'm going to try to get what I can here so that way 
I'm in a better position rather than just me leaving when my stock is the highest. We will see what happens, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of other variables to consider as far as where these teams land. And we'll talk about where these players that we discussed landed when we do our draft follow-up episode next Wednesday night. For now, we're going to move forward here, and we're going to talk about what we want our specific teams to do. Since Jason and Brandon are fans of the same team, I'm going to let them go last so that way they can have kind of a back and forth as far as what they want their team to do. Eric, I'm going to let you go first with what you'd like to see the Jaguars do with this draft, and then I will discuss what I want to see Buffalo do with this draft. Well, I teased on it a little bit earlier. The one, not even a hold, but kind of the chink in our defense is Paul Puzzle isn't he retiring. Hell of a career. He does proud these last few years in Jacksonville. He will be dearly missed. But I think we need to at least find some sort of of replacement for him. I wouldn't say early on in the draft, but I would make that as something of a maybe day three concern. First couple of rounds, offense, offense, offense. We, through a variety of reasons, lost a couple of our best receivers, a tight end. So now it's a matter of who the hell is Blake Bortles going to throw to? We need our first at least two rounds trying to shore that up. Maybe even add and tweak some things along the offensive line. We've got one side of the ball figured out. Now we need to figure out the other one and kind of fast. All right. I think it's kind of funny that you picked linebacker, Eric, because the pro football weekly guide that I have here, area of least need, linebacker. Linebacker. Yeah, that's why I said that would be a day three concern. Sixth, seventh round, do something. It's not of the most immediate pressing needs. And I'm like, eh, keep that in the back of your head, but focus on this first. <laughs> Just real quick here. Corner is in outstanding shape, but with underrated nickel, Aaron Colvin unrestricted, we'll say linebacker, where the speed and dynamic dynamism of Telvin Smith and Miles Jack could be as special as the dual lockdown abilities of Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boyer. Yeah, completely agree. That's why I say we've got that side of the ball almost entirely figured out. Don't worry about that. If there's nobody really there, that's impressing you. Did you know you guys had the number one ranked pass defense in the NFL last year? Yes. That's why. Oh, for the love of God, New England. <laughs> nope. Number one ranked pass defense, number two overall ranked defense. Exactly. I mean, you saw that firsthand in the wild card round. I mean, it was only three points, but in fairness, Tyrod Taylor was our quarterback. And then we had to go to Nathan Peterman at the end of the game. And everybody knows you should never have to go to Nathan Peterman. Touche. Just touche. Uh, speaking of Buffalo, let's go ahead and talk about the Bills draft this year, shall we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Eric, yeah. I'm about to. Eric Wood has retired, our starting center. Richie Incognito has fire, filed his retirement papers, although there is talk going around that LaShawn McCoy is trying to talk him out of it. We have just recently sent... 
one of our better defensive players, Marcel Darius, to Jacksonville last year. <laughs> and, and Kyle Williams is not getting any younger despite being the heart and soul of our defense. Mm-hmm. Offensive and defensive line is clearly the biggest area of need for Buffalo. That being said, I think we have to, have to, have to find a future of the franchise quarterback this year. This is a stacked quarterback draft, and there isn't another one like it for a couple of years down the road. Josh Rosen, Sam Darno, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen. There are those who are really high on Mason Rudolph. There are those that are really high on Lamar Jackson. I personally don't see the hype for either of them, but I can understand why some people do. This is the year for Buffalo to pick up that future franchise quarterback. Let A.J. McCarron start this year in Buffalo. Let's see what A.J. can do. But have somebody ready to take over the reins in order to continue implementing Sean McDermott's system. This is a Bills team on the rise, and I would like to keep it that way. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo Buffalo needs to get a, a, a franchise quarterback – and I would go – you also got a, a nice little running back class this year that you you can find some hidden gems there that Buffalo might want to, you know, try to sift through and see if they can find someone to maybe take some of the some of the work off McCoy so he doesn't wear down. Well, he, I no. mean, he's no young, young running back. He's, no. he's ran a lot, and he's got a lot of wear on his tires. Yeah, and that was supposed to be the plan last year when we signed the two fullbacks that we signed, Mike Tolbert and Patrick DeMarco, and then neither one of them did shit in Buffalo last year. So no no faith in uh, the quarterback that led you to the fir- the playoffs for the first time in, uh, in uh, 18 years? I think that trading Taylor was a mistake. Oh, I oh think- right, I forgot they traded him. Yeah, that, that is a mistake. I've said before that I thought that trading Tyrod Taylor was a mistake. Peter man, Peter man. <laughs> how 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 mad are you going to be if they do start Peterman? Um, I got two words for you, Jason Davis Webb. Davis <laughs> Webb. Davis Webb. Bite me. No, no comment on what uh, I. Hold what, on, hold no, on. No. Then I got I got two words for you. Wide left. <laughs> I was just going to go there, but. No, no comment on what Eric? my my question there, uh, Harry. Um, wait, you're gonna have to repeat. Oh, what? As far as what I'm gonna do, what we're gonna do with Peterman Stark? Yes. Boycott. <laughs> Not become, much. Become I mean, the 2017 Giants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Um, Eric, you're not allowed to make fun of my team in the Super Bowl until you guys make one. <laughs> you know, rub it in. Just, just yeah. yeah. All right. All it, right. It, at least it I mean, there's, only, there's only two people to get to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> there's only two two fans here that can claim they've won Super Bowls. Yeah, exactly. Well, let me just put it this way: when Sean was producing, you guys didn't have as many titles as he did. So yes, you yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but at least ours was uh, recently. You know, in this century, in this century, <laughs> in this millennium. You know, 
Sports Not Illustrated doesn't have a backlog of VHS tapes from our last Super Bowl. Not to mention your Super Bowls were thanks to our old coach. So, again, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, thank you, Eric. Yeah, the only difference is he decided to come back. Everybody else just retired. So, well, at least and, thank, and, for, thank you for helping him along that process. And you're welcome for letting one of our best coaches come run your organization and get you to the playoffs. Yes. That's why I said thanks for actually right. him to come back. <laughs> All right. Tom, Tom Coughlin aside here, Giants fans. The floor is yours to debate what you'd like to see your team do this year. I, I think uh, I think we ahead. can both I think we can both agree on who they should take at number two overall. Yes. Barkley. Yes. You you need a you need a premier running back to Indeed. go that offense. In, instead of uh what's his name? I forget. I'm I'm drawing a blank. He has a really they, weird they, name. Darkla. Uh, there we go. Yeah, and they signed uh, he's a restrictor. He's a free agent, actually, and um, they signed Jonathan Stewart. I mean, oh yeah, know, that's his, true. Walk, his, his Walker, his Walker could be his fullback, but he's not going to be anything. Yeah. So we need to get. I, I, I look first, and I'm hoping and praying that we take Barkley. Barkley's there too, and we take him. If not, we need to go. If Cleveland goes Barkley one. We need to snag a franchise quarterback to then be the heir to Eli. I, I know that you don't like this choice, but if that does happen, that Barkley gets taken number one overall, I say they go with Rosen. I say they go Josh Allen. I'd be okay with that. Or, I mean, this is stretching it a little bit. We talked about this for the second round, but um, pick up... Uh, um, the Oklahoma State quarterback. Rule? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would, that's what I was going to say. If we could go, if we can get Barkley at two and someone like Rudolph in the second, I'd be happy. Yeah. Or and, if we flip that and get a premier quarterback at two, I mean. And then a, a serviceable running back in the second and round. And then take, because, I mean, you're going to look at, I mean, honestly, Penny, Penny in the second round would be a great fit in New York. I love Penny. Mm-hmm. See, I think, I think you could get him later than the second round, though. I think the second round is a reach for him. Really, I, I think I think a lot of teams are going to go. I think a lot of teams are going to be reaching because yeah. they're going to want to try to make that impact play. But yeah, a lot Gettleman's, of teams are going to – because look at how many quarterbacks are nearing the end of their careers. So a lot of teams that normally wouldn't be in the market for a quarterback now suddenly are, and they're going to try to get that, you know, that boom pick out of the second and third round. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm happy with either that. Uh, the only other position that I'm going to – Dress and I and, and this is Gettleman's forte. He is a big offensive line guy, mm-hmm. and we need offensive line help. The one other place that I would say, and this is something that they could try to get in third, fourth, fifth round. I think the two positions that they should be looking for in the middle rounds are offensive linemen and secondary guys. Yes, fully agree. 
And that's all I got yeah. on my analysis of the Giants. All right, that's going to take us to our final segment. Real quick here, I think that if Cleveland takes Saquon Barkley, you guys may want to consider trading the number two pick and accumulating more picks for later in the draft. I, I could see that. I would be fine with that. I, well, I would we, be fine with that. We were talking about it off air. I would potentially see. I'd be perfectly fine, especially if, like you said, if they did decide to take Par- Barkley at number one, the Giants trading down with your bills – to get both the, I think, what is it, the 14th and the 22nd overall picks? 12 and 22. 12 and 22, yeah. yeah. If there's a trade with Buffalo, it's not going to include both picks. Well, I think oh, that's the not, only the, way the Giants the would do to, it. The move up to two, as needy as they are at quarterback, I think the Gettleman could swing a deal. I, I think you guys could probably get 12, 54, and 57 out of it. Which is a first and two seconds. That could know. potentially be the case. But, I mean, I could definitely see them trying to trade down uh, to get more, like get a double first round pick or get like a, a first round and a high second round pick. I 100% see Buffalo attempting to trade up to get Josh Allen. I 100% okay. see Bills are going to try to do that. Rather or not, if it happens, we will see tomorrow night. Breaking news. Breaking news. We talk about character issues. Just came across. Guys, LSU running back, story of being asked about if he loves men is falling apart. It came out that he has gave three different accounts of the questioning and creating a fault from grace. And he begins to slip down draft boards due to character issues and not being truthful and honest. Man, I'm not sold on Darius Geis anyway. Yeah, I wasn't really sold on him either. No. I think he's the second best running back in the, in the draft. I don't. I don't based, even think he's in the top based five. On landing, based on landing. Because everything I, I, I see him going to is Detroit, and I think in that offense, I think he could be he, – he should be the second – if Detroit's picking, that's the type of running back that Detroit needs. I th- personally, I think that uh, Jones is a lot better runner, but I think I think he's going to be the second running back off the board, strictly based on the the, the type of runner he is, and going to Detroit. I honestly don't even think he's. I don't think he's in the top five for running backs in this draft for me. I really don't. Interesting. Uh, we'll talk more about our running backs and stuff here in a few seconds because we are going to do our top five overall players in this draft, and I actually have two running backs in mind. But we'll t- so we'll talk more about running backs here in a few moments there. But I just I don't see it with Darius guys. Um, and I say this as somebody who's played LSU, who's played LSU every year for the last couple of years, just due to the fact that we have kind of the rivalry game against them every season. Uh huh. He, he doesn't really stand out as anything special to me. Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen. All right, gentlemen. We have officially reached the end of the show, and that means our top five overall players in this draft. Do you guys want to do them in order or in no particular order? Because it really doesn't matter to me. I'm just doing them in I, no particular order. Yeah, I'm doing them in no particular order. 
Same. No, eh, no real big order. All right. Well, I have I have a particular order for only one, and that is my number one overall player in this draft because I don't think there is any question in my mind that the number one overall player in this draft is Saquon Barkley. I would have to agree with that. I I had Barkley, but I figured everybody else would go him, so I picked outside of Barkley. See, this right here we could all agree on just because it's a top five overall situation. Yeah, but but I think that there's there's people in there that, you know, Barkley, I, I'm pretty sure that that may be, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to speak for Eric, but I'm pretty sure that that was the consensus best player available in this draft. So I was kind of, I, I kind of tailored mine out of, you know, the given. Well, there are a couple of players ranked higher than Barkley by Pro Football Weekly. Well, Pro Football Weekly's wrong. <laughs> that means there's that. Because, um, I mean, honestly, based just upon sheer verse, not even just what he did, but his potential of what he can do and how he can really anchor down organizations, yeah, I have to go Barkley as the best overall. Okay. So you just right, wanted so your your other I was four here. I was gonna say, yeah. Why don't we go ahead and go around and do all five of them in, individually here? I'll go first, um, since I've gone last more or less the entire time on this show here. Hmm. Uh, Saquon Barkley. Much though I hate to say it, Mika Fitzpatrick out of Alabama, the safety. That is a shutdown safety. That is a dude who. Reminds me a lot of Patrick Peterson, honestly. I, I'm I'm very high on him. So I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with Saquon Barkley, Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, Taven Bryan, the defensive tackle out of Florida. A lot of people are saying that even though he's probably gonna go late first round, that he's one of the better players in this draft and an immediate starter once he gets into the NFL. I think I think he's gonna. He's going to fall strictly based on team needs, not talent. Billy Price, center, Ohio State. I would love to see Buffalo go after Price with the 22nd pick. Give us a center that could replace Eric Wood in our starting lineup. Last year when Buffalo had still had Cordy Glenn, we drafted a left tackle in the uh, in the second round, or yeah, late second round, named Dion Dawkins out of Temple, and he ended up sliding right in for Glenn when Glenn got injured, and is now penciled in to be our starting guard for Buffalo. I would love to see us do the same thing this year and pick up, excuse me, pick up Billy Price to replace Eric Wood going forward. My fifth one's going to be a little bit of a surprise here just because he's not somebody that's going to get a lot of publicity, but somebody who I think is going to do very well in the NFL. And that is Daniel Carlson. Kicker out of Auburn. Hmm. And the, the reason I say that is because of longevity here. Carlson has a massive leg. The only problem is that he is a little inconsistent. 
which I think hurt significantly hurts his draft stock. Mm-hmm. But this is a guy, in my opinion, with talent on the level of Sebastian Janikowski when Janikowski came out. Wow. And let's not, let's not forget that when Janikowski came out, I think Oakland took him in the third round. Yeah. Carlson has third. It was either third or fourth. Carlson has that level of talent. So I'm going to say Saquon Barkley, Billy Price, Taven Bryan, Mika Fitzpatrick, and Daniel Carlson are my top five. Not, uh, I mean, I I can agree with those. Jason, do you want to go next? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go over mine real quick because we've discussed we've discussed two of mine already, and uh, in no particular order, I'm going to go running back, running back out of San Diego State. I think he has a sneaky sleeper uh, hunt comparison probabilities. I'm going to go uh, Chubb out of NC State. I think he's a game changer on any defense. Interesting. Uh, the, that, real quick, interesting that you say Bradley Chubb. He is the number one ranked player by Pro Football Weekly. Uh, I think that he's a game changer, uh, I, but I think he, he might have the height. And it, it will depend on where he lands, how his career goes. I uh, agree. The next two, the next two's quarterbacks. I mean, we talked about Jackson earlier, and uh, I think Josh Allen's the number one quarterback personally in the draft. And to round out my top five is my number one wide receiver of this group, and that's DJ Moore out of Maryland. I mean, that's an interesting selection to me because he's all the way down at 12th in PFW. Well, I mean, I think I think he's sneaky. I, I didn't I, – I'm looking at – of course, all these depend on landing spots. I mean, you, you could have the greatest quarterback ever and fail if he's in the wrong spot. So – All right, Brandon, you're up. Okay. Like like we talked about Barkley, um, my second pick, well, my uh, quarterback um, that I've got is Josh Rosen. I talked highly of him earlier. Um, I have Denzel Ward coming out of uh, Ohio State, uh, cornerback. I think he'll be. Uh, I think he'll be a solid uh, secondary guy. Uh, in this draft, uh, Roquan Smith out of Georgia, outside linebacker. I think he has the potential to be, you know, a top uh, ru- both patch rusher and uh, coverage guy uh, in the league. And you, and then you mentioned him earlier. My fifth guy is uh, uh, Minkle, Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick out of LSU, Alabama. Oh, right, Alabama. Yeah, Never mind. Alabama. Right. <laughs> Eric, that leaves you for your top five. Saquon, who are the other four? Uh, a couple of quarterbacks. I am, even though he said he don't play school, I'm high on Josh Rosen. I'm also high on, and Ginger Domus and I have the hive mind, Lamar Jackson. Because, I mean, again, give him time, let him develop. And he, he also kind of read my mind with Bradley Chubb. 
I was extremely thankful that Miami didn't have to deal with him really all that much. But, oh, oh dear Lord. I mean, he, he had comparisons to Mario Williams. And with someone like that, put him on pretty much any position on the deep line, he'll be a beast. But to counter that, this one hurts because of a very deep-seated rivalry. Although, I admit, the past couple of years, he's been on some kind of eh, crap teams for them. Quentin Nelson, out of Notre Dame. Again, another one of those guys, quiet, not talked about because he was a guard, but Try getting around him to get to a quarterback, and you see what happens. I was considering putting him up there in mine. I I, I like him. I I, I didn't want to pick it. I didn't want to pick him because he wore the wrong color helmet, but (laughs) I still have mad respect for him, all things considered. Those are definitely the hardest guys to really evaluate and and talk about on any sort of draft or football just in general you know show or you know any you know, any sort of analysis of football is the offensive line because you really don't have any you know concrete uh tangible yeah. evidence for them the only time you're really talking about them is when a defensive player has a performance like four or five sacks in a game and then you know who the offensive lineman was that allowed that big thing exactly. to happen Other- Otherwise, otherwise, the best offensive linemen are known by the fact that you don't know their name. Mm-hmm. Or the only reason you know them is because they make the uh, Pro Bowl. Or they have a big block to spring somebody during a game and the announcers put it over there. But to to a podcast such as ours, you really don't hear a whole lot in regards to linemen just for that very fact that we're not looking at the uh, we're not looking at the X's and O's. We're more looking at the breakout factors and the the uh, the playmakers, mm-hmm. the super the superstars of football, as it were. Yeah. The quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers, the linebackers, the corners, and the safeties. And D D line you get because of sacks. Hey guys, I got a question for you. What do you say we meet back here next Wednesday night and do this all again? Let's do it. Sounds good. You see how what teams that we can ridicule and laugh at <laughs> for doing it wrong. Oh, you know there will be a few. I hope to laugh hysterically at Cleveland for screwing up the draft, but honestly, with the GM that they have in place now, I don't know that we're going to. We still will. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I do think... And I said this from the start, and I stand by it, even though me and Jason disagree on this. It would be in Cleveland's best interest to take Saquon Barkley number one. Especially if they don't trade out of the four. Because if they don't trade out of the four, they could still get one of the franchise quarterbacks in that four spot. I'll agree with that. I mean, I wouldn't like it, because then that would mean the Giants wouldn't get Barkley. But, you know, I, I do agree with your concept. Do we have anything else to add before we get out of here tonight? Nope. No, I'm good. No, uh, I think we just about set it up for now. Now it's up to the war rooms. (laughs) 
Well, you know what else we can talk about real quick here, Eric, is the fact that you guys have a video chat scheduled for the first round tomorrow night, don't you? Well, of course we do. Once the pomp and pageantry that is what I hope for timing's sake to be a somewhat expedited round one, Sean, our faithful head honcho that is at the W2M Network, myself, Jason, I believe you're on board. Uh, as far as I know, I didn't get any confirmation, but yeah, I can make it in. <laughs> Most excellent. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we, you get to see our ugly mugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't I just often. I just sent a message pitching to Sean, letting him know that depending on start time and when I get home from watching the draft at my friends, I might be available for analysis as well. As could I. So it could, be a, it could be a situation of the kickoff invades football to the match. <laughs> that would be great. Oh Let's do it. <laughs> and, and my entire video stream will be an empty chair. <laughs> On that note, if you are a fan of anything in relation to the worlds of football, soccer, entertainment, sports, video games, wrestling, and so much more, make sure you check us out online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can listen to the kickoff and so many other of the Wrestling to the Max W2M Network podcasts by listening on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, CastBox. I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but there's because there are so many. And coming soon to Spotify as well will be the W2M Network family of podcasts. Wait, what? (laughs) You you can listen to me and uh, Harry uh, rabble against each other all the time every uh, Tuesday. Yeah, we're coming to Spotify, Eric. If only you could see the smile on my face, because you know what should be happening if everything goes well over the next week? What that? Well, I'm going to have certain equipment, and when I have certain equipment that I can take advantage of, I I flirted the idea of the point of viewer season two catch-up megatacular. Oh, God. Beware, Spotify. Beware. <laughs> and also, I'm going to throw this out. Me and another person on this podcast has an upcoming show debuting here on the W2M Network. Yes, we do. And that will be probably toward the end of the month, beginning of the next month. We are debuting Fantasy Football to the Max. Probably do it like two Giants fans. In a cup. Maybe do it like the Wednesday after next, since we won't be doing the kickoff. That'll be our draft uh, review for Fantasy. Well, it's perfectly fine. It's actually your returning Fantasy Football to the Max to the W2M network. No, no, no. Ginger Damas is bringing it back full force. (laughs) No empty chairs. No BS. (laughs) I'm coming down from the mountain. Bestowing knowledge on my brethren. <laughs> so be my, ready. Myself, Brandon Biscabing, and Liz Puglisi have the SmackDown Live and 205 Live reviews. Brandon does NXT and Monday Night Raw as well. His co-host to be determined on a consistent basis for those. I think, think 
I might be co-hosting NXT with you tomorrow, depending on what time we can record it. Yeah, because we'll be have, we'll have to watch uh, the draft as well. If we're going to do NXT, we're going to have to do it in the afternoon. Okay, that that actually works for me. Um, just message me once we're done with this. We'll do. So, for Ginger Domus, Jason Teasley, the leader of the viewer naughty, Eric Watkins, Brandon Biscabing, I'm Harry Broadhurst. You have listened to the 2018 NFL Draft Preview episode of The Kickoff here on the W2M Network, available online at W2Mnet.com. Great to be back, everybody. We'll talk to you next week with our review of the draft.